0: Let's go places.
2: This is the Lombardi line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSN.
3: Welcome to the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds for the next two hours right here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. And Wes, we got a good show, as always, on a Tuesday. Going to have the king of New York, Will Hill, is going to join us later on this hour. Get some of his thoughts on the Super Bowl and also some golf plays because... You and he have been on fire, if you listen to the, the Long Shots podcast, which you should right here at Easton, You guys were both on the winner last week. We'll see what you got up for this week and the next hour, D-Rack. Derek Rackley is going to join us. Old buddy of mine, love having uh, D-Rack's thoughts on the NFL. And, you know, as a long snapper in the NFL, we never give love to special teams. No. So I really do want to talk to D-Rack about how critical a role those special teams could play if this game is as tight as possibly uh, predicted here for the Super Bowl between the Bengals and the Rams. And West Reynolds, to that end, I, just a little exercise that I like to do. And right here at MGM still four and a half, 48 and a half. Those numbers have not moved. But uh, here at South Point, i just like to check the kiosk before we do the show. Mm-hmm. I saw 4 Mm-hmm. So you're starting to see some money come in on the Bengals. Now, it's still Tuesday, and we know the big influx of money is probably not going to come until what, Saturday, Sunday, maybe even yeah, game day.
2: Yeah, people start getting into town out here in Las Vegas and on Thursday, so really the weekend, that's going to be the bulk share of the money, and, and you're seeing this number really pretty much dance around four, four and a half. I think that's where it's going to continue to dance around, because I do think the Bengals as an underdog, they're going to get support, because people are going to say, like, well, they just got it going there. On a roll mm-hmm. here. So, you know, they're going to take this team. And, you know, the Rams, I don't think, even though they've been in the Super Bowl a couple years ago, they're not as much of a proven commodity as somebody like the Kansas City Chiefs or somebody like that. So, this isn't like an overwhelming favorite you're seeing here. So, I think you're going to see two way action on this game.
3: You know, it's interesting. And I wonder how much you glean into the injury report. Because, again, when you have the week off, you just assume everybody's going to be good to go for that extra week of prepar- uh, preparation and health. And you saw CJ Uzama yesterday for the big parade mm-hmm. that the Bengals did before they left to come out here to, uh, to Los Angeles for the Super Bowl. Uh, he did the old, it was like a wrestling move. Yeah. He got up on stage, it was very dramatic, and he ripped off the cast. Like, oh, I'm going to, like, Daniel LaRusso's going to fight. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't mm-hmm. know how much that plays into your line of thinking here because I know we talk about the tight ends a lot, but Sean McVay was asked about his tight end. Tyler Higby about his knee, and was asked whether or not he'll be able to practice in the coming days. And McVay said, and I quote, I don't think so. Right. That's not a good report. How do you gauge what are two very important pieces to their offense here when you look at Tyler Higbee for the Rams and C.J. Uzama for the Bengals?
2: Well, on the Rams side, that's why I'm seeing a lot of Kendall Blanton love on the Twitter machine here. Because, look— he only has one touchdown all year, and that was that touchdown against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs, where he was an absolute long shot, obviously, as the backup tight end, to get to get the first touchdown, and he did. If you look at Blanton's stats this year, I believe uh I'm looking at this. He has four receptions for thirty seven yards <laughs> all year long, but he's been the in vogue prop. I think I saw him like maybe for first touchdown at one point for the Super Bowl was thirty to one. And now I'm seeing that price virtually cut in half. I think the Anytime is still kind of around five to two plus two fifty. So that's kind of like the trendy prop bet that I've been hearing a lot lately, where it's kind of like you skirt the superstars, you know, you scoot the Cooper Cups and the Jamar chases of the world, and then you want to get somebody down low to maybe get that first touchdown. I'm somebody that likes to play that in standalone games where it's like, I like to go with the tight end. So Word's already out on Kendall Blanton, so don't think like, you know, hey, I figured something out that nobody else has figured Uh, out. This number has been absolutely depressed on there. I mean, the the fact that he's the same price as Van Jefferson, that's probably going to continue to get bet at plus 240, and then that first touchdown would not be surprised if that goes from 16, 15 to 1 to somewhere between 10 and 12 to 1 by game time.
3: I I feel like those remarks you just made were were directed right at yours truly because I was like, man – Kendall Blanton, we're going to get good value on yeah, him. Yeah, it does look good, and it does make sense. I was even thinking about that, but then but I'm like... But right now, it's priced in. But then
2: I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm late to the party, so you don't want to be early for the funeral, so to speak. <laughs> but, you know, nevertheless, I still think even at double digits to one for, like, first touchdown score in the Super Bowl, I still think that's going to get plenty of action.
3: It is amazing that you look at Blanton there at plus 240, and Sony Michelle, let's say, at plus 200. I mean, not, not that big a variance there for a guy, to your point, that's had four catches all year, and now is not only on the first page here for any time touchdown score, but it's it's not as good a value. I mean, Matthew Stafford, he could sneak one in as plus 900. I mean, Joe Burrow, if he runs mm-hmm. one in plus 550, mm-hmm. Kendall Blanton, way short of those numbers. So again, we'll figure out what's going to happen with Tyler Higby. And again, he's still up there on the board as well. But I don't know that that's a good sign. So like people that are looking, you got to look at and comb these, these scouting reports here and certainly the injury report. So when you hear a head coach say on Super Bowl week that he doesn't think the starting tight end can practice. Right. Well, well, you're, we'll always,
2: you're always worried, too, about, like, a coach maybe being a little bit coy. Right. And you're not wanting to give away the store here That's exactly right. before the Super Bowl. So, you know, that could be like, okay, maybe he's not going to go, and then all of a sudden he goes. So you do got to take everything that you hear during uh, during Super Bowl week with a grain of salt. I know when they have the big media day mm-hmm. and everybody goes and interviews these guys on the dais, you know, they're obviously looking looking for quotes and looking for stories, but they're not really going to give you anything. I mean, they're not going to give you like the total inside. not going to give away the store any game plan or, you know, anything that they think is going to give an opponent an advantage because it's just such a massive event and there's so much media mm-hmm. and so much hype around it. So, you know, Keep in mind that these coaches, I mean, maybe Sean McVay is being honest and telling the truth here, but maybe he's holding something back.
3: And remember, if Tyler Higby cannot go, then Kendall Blanton will be the every down tight end mm-hmm. for the Rams in this Super Bowl. And then I th- actually think even being shorted down to plus 240 for an anytime touchdown, that actually would have some merit and some value right. in my estimation. The problem is you don't know. Mm -hmm. So as we sit here on a Tuesday, when you see those – and, again, I know people out there, you want to get out there early and find the good number, certainly in the prop scenario here – I would just give you that caution right. that even though Tyler Higby is not slated to practice according to the head coach this week, if he does play, that plus two forty would really be close to plus five hundred mm-hmm. if he's and snaps all of a sudden with Tyler Higby. So then you're looking
2: to say, okay, well, who's the guy? Who's the next man up after Blanton or whatnot? And he's and he's a wide receiver and not a tight end, but maybe one a little bit down the board that's going to get you would think at least slightly ignored would be Ben Skoronik, mm-hmm. uh who's kind of like a Half receiver, half tight end. Boy, well, uh, dropped
3: you know. one, though, in the last yeah. week. Wow. So it's, like,
2: open. it's like, can you go back to him? Uh, the uh, kid from uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana, Homestead High School. So that's what you got to look at a little bit here. He hasn't been targeted a lot in the playoffs, but you never know. There's always that Super Bowl hero kind of that's right. that you don't pay attention to. So if I was going down the radar for the Rams, that, like Blanton was the under the radar guy. Now it's Ben Skoranek.
3: All right. So we'll see how those play out. But again, just to, we're, we're just trying to keep you guys informed here before you run to the window and make those props. Again, I would love Kendall Blanton, Kendall Blanton and I did love him, uh, until you heard th- those reports that maybe Tyler Higby could come back. So we'll find out. But, again, not reportedly going to practice this week for the Rams. So if you can't go, Kendall, Kendall Blanton would be the every down tight end. Some news and notes around the NFL here. Uh, it, you know, I, I did hear, just, just going to throw it out there, Wes, and there's no prop on this right now, that Tom Brady apparently in his podcast yesterday said, yeah, I'm retired, but you never know. So, like, now people are said, is he, is he doing the Brett Favre thing? Right. And, like, oh, it's Super Bowl week, and now it's not about Tom Brady, so he's showing his true colors, and he really wants all the – I don't know whether or not he's going to come back. I, I can't imagine that that's out there even in the ether. But it appears like he's just left the door slightly mm-hmm. ajar. Yeah, you make he's, uh, of that? he's
2: trying to be silk-sonic, silk leave the door open, right? So, uh, <laughs> I, I don't – I think this is probably much ado about nothing. I think once you make that decision – you make that decision. I mean, you don't come out of retirement 15 times like Terry Funk, the great wrestler, Terry Funk. Funk. Uh, He's had probably about 20 retirement matches and and comes back every time if there's something that works for him. But I don't see that with Brady. I think, look, uh, he's going to have opportunity after football, whether it's in broadcasting, whether it's in business and whatnot. He's going to have plenty of things to do, Uh, hang out with his beautiful wife and his family. That would be one of my recommendations. I think that's a lot Sounds better than killing yourself in the offseason, trying to stay in shape at 45 years old, plus going through the grind of 18 games and
3: then playoffs. I don't know how old Dennis Allen is, but he's getting a second opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL. He has been officially promoted to becoming the Saints new head coach. Lovey Smith, it's now official in Houston. Again, we give you these things because the props are going to start coming out on these, say, the futures rather. That futures market are going to open up uh, after the Super Bowl out here in Las Vegas. So when you look at Saints possibly to win the South. Or you look at the, the Texans uh, over under for win total here. Lovey Smith is now the new head coach again. He's getting a second opportunity in the NFL. And interesting news that they, it looks like the Chiefs and their offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy, his contract is expiring in Kansas City. Mm-hmm. So we'll find out that the, the coaching carousel, the seats are starting to run out. Whether or not there's going to be a spot for him or not. But again, his contract is officially expiring in KC.
2: Yeah, and I'll go. uh, We'll try to go rapid fire here, short time for the end of the segment. But Dennis Allen, last time he was a head coach, of course, was with the Oakland Raiders, 2012 to 2014. Was fired after a 0-4 start in his third year, so he gets a second chance as a head coach, and I think deservedly so. I think he's been a really good defensive coordinator. I thought like he was almost in his 60s. He is only 49 years old.
3: I thought he might have been younger than Brady still.
2: Yeah, and but but he is finally getting his. His chance uh, took over as DC when Rob Ryan got let go back mm-hmm. in 2015. Did a so good job. that was the rumor that we thought that Dennis Allen was going to get that job. And Gail Benson company finally put pen to paper, lovey Smith. Uh, you know, Josh McCown was kind of rumored down there. If he was going to get it, if I was lovey Smith, you know, I'd have him as my coordinator, but you wonder, I think there's a lot of cynicism out there with obviously everything that's been brought out in a Brian Flores lawsuit mm-hmm. that, okay, he's just like a stopgap, and there's a coach. In waiting. I don't know who that is down there in Houston, but Houston's been a mess as an organization wow. anyway. And then the enemy thing is very interesting. We'll see if uh, he gets brought back in the fold because we know he's not the play caller, even though he does deserve a lot of credit I think for the Chiefs' offensive success.
3: No question about it. There was a report that said the Texans were going to hire Brian Flores until he sued the league. We don't know if that's fact or fiction or just, you know, CYA sometimes. Mm-hmm. A lot of teams trying to do that mm-hmm. right now as well. Alright, when we come back and dip, dip our toe into Tuesday night college basketball and see what Wes likes out there.
4: Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds are like, you know, it's Creighton, you don't watch Creighton.
3: With the big game on Sunday. It's time to download BetMGM Sports. It's Nevada's premier sports betting app. BetMGM is all of your favorite wagering options, along with in game betting, boosted odd specials, and much, much more. Download the BetMGM app today or stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state issued ID to open up an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM's State of the art technology and fan friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. Must be 21 or older and physically located in Nevada. Please get them responsibly. If you have a problem, call. 1-800-522-4700. Dave Ross alongside West Reynolds. This is the Lombardi line right here on v will Love. Will Hill join us here a little bit later on this hour. Derek Rackley going to join us in the second hour. Let's get to college basketball. And it was a roller coaster out there last night on a Monday night. Uh, you and I were both on Wahoo Wah. Virginia getting 11 and did not mm-hmm. need any of them, less. No,
2: did not. And, and look, uh, they hung in the entire game. I thought Virginia was actually the better team, and it was a really good situation, which is why I gave it out on a numbers game with Gil Alexander yesterday. You get Duke off that short-term turnaround mm-hmm. there where they go to North Carolina that was coach Kay's last visit to Chapel Hill because coach gay of course is on the farewell goodbye victory tour whatever you want to call him they're giving him rocking chairs <laughs> everywhere he goes and different little parting gifts hey hey thanks for beating our ass for 30 years uh, thank you thank you very much coach gay but anyway this was a turnaround against Virginia and this has been a very down Virginia team especially defensively this is probably the worst team Tony Bennett has had since he turned took over the job in Charlottesville, but a massive win for the Cavaliers. Reese Beekman with the three-pointer at the buzzer, and this may get Virginia kind of back into NCAA tournament consideration because if you look at the ACC as a whole, it is a very down league. Like it Duke is. is the only team you would say, okay, they're locked status. They're going to be in the field of 68, but you've got all these teams like Virginia and North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, Virginia Tech Miami, a couple others that are like, yeah, Syracuse. Okay. Yeah. yeah, Syracuse might be a reach though. <laughs> they they could get hot though. <laughs> they no, gave, but no, you're right. Saying, Here's they've got what's some bad losses. Syracuse. Yeah. they're gonna sneak their way in, and Jim Bayham's gonna go on ESPN in the morning and say, hey, "I think we deserve to be in. Our schedule was good." And they're gonna get in as 11 seed, where they should get absolutely destroyed, and then they're gonna make a run like to the Elite Eight, like they always do when whenever you least expect That's it. That's what so. they do.
3: I'll tell you this too about the Virginia Duke game. Just in my group texting my buddies back home, mostly in the state of Virginia. Virginia. Virginia and uh, most of them, you know, either went to UVA or Virginia Tech. That's what you do kind of when you grow up in that area or VCU like myself. Everybody united against Duke last night. Mm. I mean, they are despised in certain parts of ACC country. And even like Virginia Tech Hokies don't root for Cavaliers. They are the common enemy is always Duke,
2: right? Right, uh, Duke, uh, Duke wears the hatred, I guess, is a badge of honor. Uh, and look, they, uh, they got beat last night at the buzzer by Beekman, and yeah, I just thought that that was a tricky situation for yeah. Duke to have to go. And that's a big spread against a Virginia team that you know slows it down 358th in college basketball well, in terms of tempo. But game did go over the total. UVA gets the outright dub,
3: didn't you know? I had Texas last night against Rock Chalk Jayhawk, don't think I should have gotten that one to cash, but I it don't did. either, but I'm not giving the money back. Absolutely not. You got a big guy banking in a three here. They're down by four in the final minute of regulation and somehow come out and get this three-point win, uh, even though they were getting a point. Uh, it went all the way down even at Ben MGM before tips. Some money came in on Texas, but they barely got home, but Wes, they all cashed the same.
2: Yeah, they do, and uh, Kansas uh, was on fire, of course, just destroyed Baylor by 24. I know Baylor was a little short-handed, but just got by them easily, and then a tough turnaround. Two days later, Later, having to go to Texas, and Texas had lost a couple tough games recently. Even though they got right a little bit on Saturday against Iowa State, but they came off that loss at Texas Tech, where you know Chris Beard was going back home to Lubbock, and you know there was a lot of hype around that game. So a big win for uh, for Texas, and you know what I thought when you watch that game, it was a very physical game. I yeah. thought Texas out tough Kansas basically in the final couple minutes of that game, and toughness sometimes gets you wins, and
3: it did for the Longhorns. Obviously. And the overcash is easily with that uh, with that point total there. Of 132 pre-flop. Okay, sometimes gambling Twitter. If you follow it on Twitter, it giveth and taketh away. If you had Texas, it kind of gave you something maybe you didn't expect. If you had Arizona against Arizona State laying the 12, that's a bad push. Mm-hmm. That's just a bad push. Well, they're up 20 with five minutes to go, right. and they're up I-, I believe 19 in the final. Two minutes mm-hmm. and a seven-zero run by by the uh, forks up to end this thing. Arizona could have dribbled it out, less Yeah, and they turn it over and give up a layup. I mean, how do you look at that from the gambling uh, sphere of like, all right? Maybe these even out, but boy, if you're Arizona, you felt like you were on the right side. Yeah, what a bunch of
2: ebb and flows in this game. By the way, last night ASU after the under sixteen timeout in the first half led sixteen to three (laughs) over Arizona, and then you see Arizona with six minutes to go, eighty four to fifty eight, largest lead of the game. What a turnaround that was! And uh, U of A uh, trying to make that bid for the number one seed. They got UCLA in the payback game last Thursday. They actually swept Southern California, beat USC, and now go to Arizona State. So. uh, Uh, U of A, all of a sudden, 10 and one, they look like very much the team to beat in the Pac-12. Arizona State, you kind of saw they had enough adrenaline early Mm -hmm. and then they absolutely wore out because if you look at ASU, 7 and 14 this year, they lose a tough one to USC, a game that they led a a decent amount. And USC just kind of got them in the final minute or two. Then they had a triple overtime game against UCLA. So the adrenaline was good for the first half. And that's why sometimes you want to look at maybe first halves. It's like, I think these guys are gonna Adrenaline's gonna carry them the first twenty minutes because that's what teams can do, like when they're short handed and whatnot. They can play you well for twenty minutes, then you go to that second half and then they just have nothing left. They have no legs. So Arizona showed that last night. So it's upbeat if you laid the Wildcats here, but ninety one seventy nine, uh pretty convincing win. Certainly more convincing than the final score.
3: Absolutely. Let's get to tonight's slate here. We talked about Texas. Of course, he was uh Texas formerly coached by Shaka Smart and you know my alma mater VCU. Now he's at Marquette and Marquette's been a really good play at home. They're on the road though at UConn, opened up at five and a half. It's gone up. The Huskies mm-hmm. taking some of the money here at BetMGM up to six and a half. You see that pre-flop total there of 140. Some trends here for you. Marquette's been great if you've been betting them. Nine and O ATS in their last nine. Uh, the under, by the way, five and one in the Golden Eagles last six overall. UConn is a favorite, four and zero oh, ATS in their last four meetings, and the over is seven and two. So we have dueling trends there. What do you make of this matchup?
2: Yeah, Marquette got or Connecticut got him back on December twenty first up in Milwaukee, seventy eight to seventy. But Marquette very much a different team. Marquette was in the midst of a four game uh, losing streak at that point, and ever since then they've gone eight and one in their last nine. They lost a tough one to Providence uh, on. Sunday the 30th, but did beat Villanova and actually swept Jay Wright's guys. Mm-hmm. Nobody sweeps Jay Wright's no. guys in the Big East. Certainly haven't done so since, I believe, 2014, but they have done so. And by the way, let's handicap two games in one here. Villanova, if you're wondering why that line is so short at St. John's, minus four. Colin Gillespie not likely to go, and Justin Moore might also be out. So you got a starting backcourt out in that game. So keep in mind, if you're looking at that, that starts later on tonight, I believe, in the late portion of the card. But going back to Marquette in Connecticut – I think the number's about right. I do lean a little bit to UConn here. UConn, I think, is finally at full strength with uh, R.J. Cole and Adama Sinogo. Sonogo did miss several games. UConn has lost two in a row. They had that bad performance a week ago tonight against Creighton, 59-55, to losing at home. Then they go to Villanova, hang around a little bit, but can never really make a run to get it close, 85-74. to It seems like this could be a get-right spot for UConn. And by the way, you just got to kind of look at the Big East positioning right now. We're mm-hmm. Villanova, who's usually the king daddy of the conference, kind of showing some vulnerability right yeah. now because of the injuries with Gillespie. At least he's not going to go tonight. I don't know how long he's going to be out, perhaps Justin Moore, but leading the conference right now, of course, is Providence at 10-1. and Providence has been living right, though. I-, I think that they're a very good team, but I don't think they're a 20-2 team, so no. they're due maybe to come back to earth a little bit, and who's going to be there if they come back to kind of seize on that opportunity? It's one of these two teams, Marquette and UConn.
3: Let's sneak in. One more preview very quickly. Let's go down to the SEC. Auburn against Arkansas opened up with Auburn uh, laying two and a half on the road, as you can expect, with the number one team in the country. Now it is at two. See that high total there of 151 and a half. Auburn, 19 and seven ATS in their last 26. The overs hit seven of the last, uh, is seven in the last 10 games. A Arkansas, by the way, four and 0 ATS in their last four. And the over again playing well, 11 in four in their last 15 games as an underdog. So, what do you Make of those two numbers there
2: a very small lean to arkansas i don't know if i'm going to bet this yet eric musselman has made some lineup changes but if you look at the hogs they have won eight in a row now they've been beaten up on kind of the little sisters of the poor in the sec or at least the middle teams uh chris likes the miami transfer has been benched now he kind of comes off the, the the bench like a vinnie johnson like a mm-hmm. microwave a little bit but uh they're a good rim offense but auburn is one of the best rim defenses in the country but because they have shot blockers like Walker Kessler, like Jabari Smith, who's going to be a lottery pick come June. So this is a small number for Auburn. Look, we saw Auburn barely escape against Georgia on Saturday. They were laying 16 and a half, and they were life and death to get out. And I think that's just the pressure for a team that's number one, that's not used to being number one here a little bit. I fully expect Auburn's going to get most of the tickets and the money. So if you want Arkansas, you could probably wait. You're not going to get a ton more, but you might get two and a half, or you might get three if you're waiting. To take the hogs,
3: and which could uh, be important numbers if this game stays tight, as we are expecting, should be a good one down there in the SEC. All right, when we come back, we got some big news in the NBA, including a big trade. We'll see how it affects the games tonight and maybe for the futures in the NBA. Come on back. It is the Lombardi Line right here on Vason, the sports betting network. Any questions about betting the Super Bowl, wondering about how to hedge, or maybe you're looking for unusual props or insights from one of our hosts? Well, the VEASAN Big Game Help Desk is here for you. Submit your questions at VEASAN.com slash Super Bowl, and it could be answered by one of our experts on air or at VEASAN.com. Standing by with one of those experts, Wes Reynolds. I am Dave Ross. Welcome back here to the Lombardi line right here on VEASAN. And we do have a significant trade in the NBA uh, per Adrian Orjnowski. also saw Shams Tarani reporting this as well, that the Blazers, here's what they've done. They have gone ahead and acquired Josh Hart, Thomas Sodoransky, Nikhil Walker-Alexander, Didi Lozada, a 2022 protected first-round pick and two second-round picks. The Pelleys Get C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance, and Tony Snell. So, Dame and McCollum, the backcourt we've all known for so long in Rip City, it's RIP. What do you make of this move here very quickly? And does it make any difference to you when you look at possibly the Pellys' trying to become a playoff team.
2: It it doesn't. I mean, maybe for a playoff team, but I don't think that there's exactly going to be a seismic shift here in the NBA odds. When you look at, at the Western conference right now, the Pelicans number 10 spots. So they're in kind of that like play in format that they adopted last year. So they would, as of right now, they would get the Los Angeles Lakers in that nine, 10 matchup Portland, I believe just a half a game back at the Pelicans. So look, I think, I think Portland is kind of looking at this in the West. Of course, uh, we know the pecking order, Phoenix, Golden State, Memphis, Utah. They're the top four. I think Portland kind of says, maybe this is time to rebuild. Now, what happens with Damian Lillard? There's the other is Damian Lillard going to be on the move? I'm, I know that there's a lot of teams interested, including the Philadelphia 76ers. If they could put something together, uh, you've seen like cryptic tweets for uh Joel Embiid, I think mm. he tweeted something out this morning. Time to run. You know, I don't know if that's alluding to Damian <laughs> Lillard to, you know, hey, let's get him because he. it was rumored in the offseason right. that he was going to perhaps get traded to Philadelphia. So, look, dominoes are starting to fall. It's like you get the small trades for the potential big trades, and then we wait till Thursday for the trade deadline to see if these trades, in fact, materialize. Because oftentimes, Dave, I, we're always waiting for that blockbuster at the deadline. Then 3 o'clock Eastern comes on Thursday, and then it's like, Eh, you know, these are just kind of like, you know, cap trades right. or to, you know, get cap spaces or draft positioning or whatever. You don't really see that blockbuster, but yeah, it does like look like Portland is kind of uh trying to hit the reset button out there. Uh, you said RIP to that backcourt that was together for 10 years, mm. CJ McCollum, 3J McCollum and Damian Lillard. So look, it probably helps the Pelicans cause at least to secure their positioning. Like, you know, maybe it gets them in the seven or eight spot where if they just win that game because seven plays eight and they win that game then you get into the main draw of the playoffs we know that seven plays eight nine plays ten and then whoever loses the nine ten game is out and the loser of the seven eight game plays the winner of the nine ten game for the last spot so like i don't see the pelicans you know catching the Nuggets or Dallas or somebody like that for a five or six seed. But in the short term, you would think, okay, maybe it makes the Pelicans a little bit better to secure that playoff spot. And with the Blazers, I think this is a total reset. Deal. Yeah. They do get a protected first round pick. A lot of these throw-ins are kind of like cap considerations. Mm-hmm. So you, you get a sense that there's a rebuild coming in Rip City.
3: All right. So let's see what happens there. And of course, it, it, we know for the Pellies, I think, if we could ever get Zion back, this could be a very interesting mix of talent that they have, that they've acquired now with CJ McCollum in the fold. Let's go one step further here and talk about the uh, Rockets and the Pellies tonight, because now you make that big deal. And again, this might be tougher to handicap because I don't know if McCollum is going to be able to go. And you did give up a lot of, of depth here mm-hmm. in that deal right now, opened up at six for the Pellies at home against the Rockets. By the way, Houston, over is 4 and one in their last five. They are just 4-12 and ATS in their last 16 following a loss, which is what is happening now. It's up to nine as you see that number has gone up significantly. New Orleans, by the way, pretty good play recently, 4-0 ATS in their last four. The under, by the way, has hit uh, five times in their last six with one push. So what do you make of those numbers tonight?
2: Yeah, you really didn't get much of an adjustment here when you have a, a trade of this many players, at least. Uh, so Pelicans have been on a decent run. They're 3-0, and uh, one, three in a row. Uh and the Rocket and actually 4-0, oh, their last four mm-hmm. against the number. So, you know, it's been a home-and-home home series because these teams did meet Sunday. New Orleans beat them 120-107. to 107. I know we were talking about that over. Right. I hope you played that. You're I like, did. should I play
3: that over? West Reynolds, thank you very much. I did play that over. got home by, by a half, and yes, that's all that matters. Yes,
2: and a half there and, and that's what I often think when you have some bad teams that are not top teams. You get some happy action, fun time. By hook or by crook, it nevertheless got <laughs> there. But the Pelicans in that game, by the way. One of the reasons it got to the overs they shot 59% at the rim. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that same output. Houston, not very good defensively. 116.9 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes this season. That's the worst defensive rating in the league over that time frame. The defensive ratings actually got worse since December. I think it's 121.3. Whew. And if you look at the over with the Rockets and those 33 games since December 1st, 24 eight and one Eric Gordon, also questionable to play tonight. So, I'd lean to the over again. I have not I have not bet this, but I would certainly lean that way again. It is uh, now been depressed. It was two twenty eight and a half. It does go down to two twenty four and a half simply because of the trade. That's where it's probably affected it the most. Not necessarily the side, as it opened eight and a half, it's pretty much a nine, some mm-hmm. nine and a half out there now. But now that you see a lot of those depth guys, the total of course gets bet under immediately. I wouldn't be surprised to see some buyback, some late money to the over here.
3: As I said on Twitter last week, too, I said I'll put Put West Reynolds' numbers up against anybody in the country, and I did play that, sir, so thank you. I owe you at least a coffee.
2: Uh, well, I'm glad you didn't play the Pacers in-game because they, they <laughs> right. got killed. Like They were up by 20. It's like only my Pacers could lose, could be up by 20 and then lose by 20.
3: Yeah, that was an unbelievable shift on a Sunday. Uh, let's get to the Suns and the 76ers here today. When you look at this one, this one opened uh, Philadelphia at 2.5. It's been bet down here as the Suns' money's come in here. It's one at BetMGM with that total at 217 and a hook here. Phoenix, by the way, 4-1 ATS in their last five. They didn't cover uh, last night in Chicago. The under 301 one in their last four, playing on zero days rest as they are today. So maybe those tired legs could come into play here. Philly 0-5 ATS in their last five mm-hmm. following an ATS win, which is where they find themselves in this spot. Under again, 8-1 in their last nine following an ATS win.
2: Yeah, it's really kind of a bad spot really for both teams, the way this is the final game of the four game road trip for Phoenix so far, two and one. They lost in Atlanta, then they beat the Wizards, and then they had to hold on against the Bulls. They were up huge at the half and mm-hmm. then hung on one by three. So now you got to play back to back nights in Philadelphia, third game and four nights on the road for the Phoenix Suns. With uh, you know, a team that you know, you got the Bucks coming up on Thursday night too. When you come back home, that's the NBA Finals rematch here with Milwaukee coming out to the Valley of the Sun. So you would worry, okay, I don't think the Suns are going to Jake here and totally look ahead, but you do kind of worry that, like, hey, this team beat us in the NBA Finals. We were that close to the Larry O'Brien trophy, and this team prevented it from happening, so... You wonder if maybe they're thinking a little bit ahead to there. I'm, I'm surprised actually Phoenix isn't favored. I think this is probably going to go back and forth where you're going to see a couple flip-flops of favorites throughout the afternoon. So currently right now at MGM I think one and a half. There's a lot of ones mm-hmm. out there as well. Total 217 and a half. This is probably going to flip back and forth. And as always with Philadelphia, you got to wait and make sure Joel Embiid is cleared haven't seen anything on that report yet. Dybul is questionable at the shoulder. We do Expect Philadelphia. They're going to be the subject of the main rumors for the trade deadline because Dylan Darrell, Darrell Morey, obviously wants to see if there's a willing taker for Ben Simmons. He thought maybe he was going to have to wait to the offseason. So is it Brooklyn? Is it Atlanta? Is it another team? So we shall see. But no play for me as of yet, but I'm a little leery of the Suns with that Bucs showdown on deck.
3: Let's talk about your Pacers against the Hawks. Do we here. have to? I'm sorry, we do. In the ATL <laughs> tonight, Indiana 1-4, and four, ATS in their last five. The over has been a strong play here for Pacer backers here. 6-1-1 one and one in their last eight games overall. And that correlates with Atlanta. The over 4-1 and one in the Hawks' last five games following an ATS loss is where they come in on this spot. And Atlanta 5-0, and oh, ATS in their last five games – as a home favorite, so you can understand why that number has moved up 10.5 now. That total at 227.
2: Yeah, leading to the under here a little bit. And speaking of deals, of course the Indiana Pacers have sent Karis Levert to Cleveland. That deal happened on Sunday afternoon. I don't know if the Pacers are done yet because I think this is the first time in like about 35 years in Indianapolis where the Pacers really do have an opportunity to rebuild. So it looks like they're open for business. Maybe Damana Sabonis is going to be on the move. Perhaps a Malcolm Brogdon. I think everybody should be tradable except the two rookies, Quistrarte and Isaiah Jack. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, this is an opportunity for the Pacers to rebuild. I hope that Kevin Pritchard and company goes ahead and takes that. But anyway, to this game – if Brogdon goes tonight, the defensive rating for the Pacers is better with Brogdon and Sabonis both on the floor here. So, seven of the last games have gone over the total, but if Sabonis and Brogdon, I think, are on the floor together, you could look a little bit at the under here. Ten and a half, uh, not interested in laying it, but I'm no, I am no—I don't know if I'm interested in taking it either because I think there's a lot of questions on the Pacers mm-hmm. and some guys wondering, hey, am I going to be here in a couple days or where am I going to be? So, small lean to the under
3: here. All right, maybe small lean to the under, maybe a small to the over in the Rockets and Pelly's game as well. When we come back, he is the king of New York, Will Hill. We're going to talk some golf and talk some NFL and maybe sneak in some basketball as well. Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here on in VEASAN, the sports betting network.
0: 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
2: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
3: It was shocking.
2: I have to know. What were they thinking?
3: Welcomes you with a special offer in the NBA. Simply place a $10 money line wager on any game, and if either team hits a three pointer, you're going to win 200 bucks in free bets. Just use the bonus code vson 200 when you make your very first wager. Plus, you're going to earn BetMGM rewards points that can be redeemed for online bonuses or converted into comps at over 20 MGM resorts nationwide. BetMGM is a proud is proud to be an authorized gaming partner of the NBA. So download the app or go to betmgm.com, use the bonus code VEASEN200 to win 200 bucks in free bets if a three pointer is made in the game you wager on. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued is non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Dave Ross alongside West Reynolds. This is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN. And a tip of the cap. To Wes Reynolds. Tip of the cap to our next guest, Will Hill, our recent uh, contributor. Point spread weekly. And, of course, follow him on Twitter as we do it. Not the Will Hill, the tip of the cap. You guys were all over Tom Hoagie last week to win the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He cashed. What'd you get him at? Will sixty-six to one. I think West got him right around the same number. I mean that's.
1: Yeah, I, I put it a little bit at sixty to one, a little more at fifty to one, and then live he was still six to one uh, when he had a, a lead. I think it was Thursday or Friday, so uh, it was nice. I did buy a little back on speeth late. Uh, I, I thought maybe speeth was going to win it, but it was pretty it lo- looking pretty good. Where it was either going to be Speeth or, or Hoagie. So, uh, boy, it was nice. It was nice to get all the messages. It's amazing how many people watch and how many people listen. You know, when, when he finally wins and you get all the messages and and everything. It was a lot of fun.
3: Well, you guys should. I'm serious. I mean, when you get it, when you're cashing 66 to ones or 60 to ones, Wes, I mean, that goes a long way, certainly in the golf handicap here. And we'll get into this week's action and see what you both like. But Wes, I mean, that's not easy to do to get those long shots to come home.
2: No, it's not easy to get these guys home. You can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. So it's like you got to get in position to be in position. And uh, we got there. uh, My partner, Brady Cannon, on long shots Mm -hmm. was also aboard on Tom Hoagie. I think a lot of other people here and a couple others, at least Matt Brown also aboard, so uh, kudos to them. Nice to get him home. I had him actually two weeks ago at the American Express over in Palm Springs, 125 to 1, and he ended up finishing second to Hudson Swafford. so that's one thing with like golf futures that I'm trying to get better personally at doing. You don't want to necessarily love him and leave him when they don't get there for you. Sometimes you want to keep riding a guy because, look, you're not going to close and you're not going to win every single week, so uh, Tom Hoagie does get there for us last week
3: at Pebble Beach. Well let's talk about this week at the Phoenix Open here, gentlemen. And I always just think of Tiger Woods raising the roof, remembering the par three and everybody's going crazy. That's what I think of every time I think of the Phoenix Open. So, Will, we can't rest on our laurels. You guys give out winners last week. Let's do it again this week. Who do you like out there in Phoenix?
1: Yeah, let's try to pull a little Johnny Vandermeer. Let's throw uh, back-to-back (laughs) no-hitters here. Uh, I like Aaron Wise. Now, I bet a little uh, Sam Burns, too, but Aaron Wise is one that's off the radar. The rest of his game is pretty good. He's always struggled putting. He's actually putted pretty well the last four or five starts. So, uh, Wise, you can get him, I think, maybe 80-to-1, 90-to-1, as always shop around for the best number. But uh, Aaron Wise is on my radar. I bet him outright in first-round leader. And Of course, I will be listening to long shots to see uh, see what Wes and Brady have to say.
2: Yeah, I've seen Aaron Wise get tipped by a couple guys I respect as well, this week, so we'll see if he makes my card. I got to finalize my card and go back to Reynolds Manor and uh, work on this card, finish up this point. <laughs> Can give away everything MPs. right here. Yeah, so I got to <laughs> finalize that long shots. We will have the full card available for not only the Waste Management Phoenix Open, but the uh, Raz Al-Kaima event over on the DP World.
1: Ah, uh, you got to listen. You got to beat Northwestern too. You left. You left beating Northwestern off the, well, off we, the list there. Well, we were going yeah. to get
2: to that because I believe that you kind of like that game tonight, Indiana at North. Northwestern. Western Indiana, rough second half against the Illini on Saturday, Uh, Illinois, I just had too much size and Trent Frazier just went off, made too many shots for Indiana's liking. So IU goes on the road to Northwestern, Northwestern's one, two in a row. They've been really scrappy. Will and you're looking at this number, a little bit of a flip of favorite. I think one and a half now at bet MGM, some one in the market, Mm. but you like the cream and crimson, the Indiana Hoosiers tonight.
1: Yeah. I just think this is a better matchup. And IU is started to show some cracks defensively that, like you said, that was not a great second half. They got a lead against Illinois. I had them on Saturday. I had Indiana. I thought I was going to get them home. They played pretty well early. They just, they got steamrolled the second half to me. This is a better matchup. They'll have the best player on the floor you uh, basically a pick of minus one here. I'm going to take the Hoosiers here. Do I get your validation? You know, this team better than me. Wes. How, do you like Indiana tonight? I do lean that way. I have not bet yeah. this game as of yet. I do want to see, uh, you know,
2: how they're going to start because Indiana, you know, there's still a little bit of a young team, new coach, uh, not always the best on the road, but that win at Maryland. I think proved that, Hey, mm-hmm. they can go ahead and win on the road. Northwestern, uh, Indiana starter Miller cop who's kind of like a role player. Not really doesn't really put up a lot of numbers. Of course, play, for Northwestern last year. So maybe, you know. Indiana has that little bit of extra effort to get one for your team. We often see that in sports. So it's like the first game against a player's old team or a teammate's old team, they come out with a little bit of extra effort. So uh, we'll see if the Hoosiers can go up to Welsh Ryan Arena and get a dub.
3: All right, let's stay in college basketball, gentlemen. And I call Will the King of New York. You got to listen to the New York City podcast that he has right here on Vison And let's stay in the city that never sleeps. St. John's, the Johnnies taking on Villanova. And Wes, we talked about this a little bit off the top of the show here where it's going to be issues right now in that backcourt for the Wildcats, and now all of a sudden this number opened up at 5.5. Will, it's down to 4 at BetMGM with that total at 144. What do you make of this matchup there in Queens?
1: Yeah, I haven't played this game, but you mentioned Gillespie is an injury to keep an eye on. I would actually lean towards the Johnnies here. They uh they they haven't played. You know they played a little better than the record. They had a big win, big big win uh, against Seton Hall maybe 10 days ago on Monday night, where they really they ran Seton Hall out of the gym. Uh, yeah, I, I would probably lean towards taking the Johnnies here plus the four points at home. We'll stick it on the college hardwood and go
2: into the Mountain West, which looks like it wow. may be a four-team league or a four-bid league year for the NCAA tournament. Certainly have been a very good conference. These teams have really beat each other up at the top, and one of those teams being Colorado State. They're going to uh, Reno tonight in the Lawler Event Center to face the Wolfpack. Currently seeing six right now on Colorado State. Uh, Nevada did get a cover, gave San Diego State all they wanted on Sunday, despite not having Grant Sherfield. but I believe you're on the visiting Rams tonight.
1: Yeah, the number's getting away from you a little bit. It opened at five. Uh, you mentioned forgiveness. Now, Hoagie wiped away my my feelings towards Colorado State because I was on Colorado State Friday night, and I don't know if you guys saw this there. I'm mm-hmm. sure you did. Mm-hmm. They're up 20 with 10 minutes to go. They're up 12 with like three or four minutes to go. They're at home, and they actually needed to score late just to win the game. They don't cover uh, Friday night. And then they actually stormed the court, which really annoyed me. You should not be allowed <laughs> to storm the court if you do not cover the spread. Th- those students should be fined and kicked out of college. That's ridiculous. <laughs> Uh, but I'm back on them tonight. Only their second game in a week here for Colorado State. Nevada, three games in five days, which is pretty unusual. You don't see a, a three games in five days stretch in college too much other than, you know, conference tournaments. But uh, better team, better rested team. I'm going to lay the points here with Colorado State. Might be my
3: favorite thing I've heard so far. Just, just, just ban the out. kids from college. Kick yeah. them right Sell out. Them. If you don't cover, you kids cannot storm the court. That's a great rule, at least for us here. Will at is uh,
2: playing Dean Warmer. You're out. <laughs> You're out of favor college. Zero.
3: Okay, let's go to the NBA tonight. Let's stay in New York State here, or at least the Knicks on the road in Denver, but let's stay with the hometown team there, the Knicks. Uh, This opened up at 6.5 for the Creamy Nuggets here, uh, over under right now, 217. It's gone up to 8.5 here, so Denver getting a lot of play here early. What do you make of the Knicks away from the Garden?
1: Yeah, this is, this is a little high, but, but this is a brutal stretch. Could go from Utah, Denver, back-to-back. That's a tough one. I would probably lean towards the Nuggets here. Uh, the Knicks are probably just looking towards next year. They'll probably start trading off some of these guys. I don't know if they can get off Fournier's contract, get rid of Kimber Walker, but uh, it just seems like it's going to be a youth movement for the Knicks, and it probably should be. I, w- I would lean towards the Nuggets here. This is a brutal, uh, brutal back-to-back year for the Knicks.
2: Well, let's uh, stick in New York State, and that would be the uh, matchup with the Brooklyn Nets hosting the Boston Celtics. All of a sudden, the Nets, that's <laughs> 0-5 on the road. Not a very good road trip. Of course, they were shorthanded. Harden didn't go. We know Duran has been out for the interim, so it was basically Kyrie and the rest of the boys. But now Brooklyn, who we're seeing still talked about, and I think rightfully so, is a Eastern Conference uh, championship mm-hmm. contender. But all of a sudden, you look at this team, and they are 29-24. and 24. And we heard the rumors from Sham Sharania last week that maybe they would, would be willing to trade James Harden to Philadelphia. Well, I don't know how much I believe that. But what do you make of the Brooklyn Nets right now? Uh,
1: they are getting eight and a half at home to the Boston Celtics tonight. Boy, this is an ugly one. This is the ultimate buy low spot. I do think this line's a little high. Now, Harden's going to be out. It's a home game, so Kyrie can't play. Durant's still not out. Uh, I might make the drive up to Brooklyn. I might get 10, 15 minutes in this game with how the Nets are, but to me, 8.5 is too many. (laughs) I lean towards taking the Nets, and this would actually be a playing game, I believe, if the playoffs started today. Believe Mm -hmm. it or not, the 7 versus the 8. The Nets are the 7. The Celtics are 8. The Celtics have actually played uh, pretty well lately. Uh, I think the easiest thing to do would would be to come on and say the Nets have lost 8 in a row. They're not going to win anything. They're done. Uh, Durant might. Still be the best player in the league. You get him back. Things can look a lot differently, but it's been ugly. I mean, Harden hasn't looked great. He's been hurt. I don't think he's happy the fact that he has to carry the mail. That's not what he signed up for. Uh, not a great look for him pouting for the second time in two years, trying to get off a team, but uh, would lean towards the Nets t- tonight, would not count them out in the East, would still probably pick the bucks over them though.
3: Very quickly. Well, remember opening night for the Knicks? Bing bong. They beat the Celtics yeah. and they're going, what? Yeah. they're going to go to the play. That feels like what? 10 years ago now?
1: They have great fans. They get really excited. That was a fluke last year, though. They weren't as good as, uh, as the record indicated, you know.
3: Absolutely. Hey, I always appreciate the time. Will, again, follow him on Twitter at NotTheWillHill. Come on back, talking to some NFL and Super Bowl on the Lombardi Line. Visa, the Sports Betting Network.